I don't have much to hang my hat on this weekend in sports, so I got to live on the Giants. Yankees swept, Rangers lost, UCF lost, so I got to enjoy a little bit of uh, Dayball Mania. <sighs> One, three, four, five, six, and eight. Hey. Margin of victories for the Giants. Wins a win, right? That's it, baby. And if it takes 10 to make the playoffs, all I know is we're four away. That's all, you know, in the greatest division in the history of the National Football League. So, uh, happy Monday to everybody. Welcome uh, to the Beat of Sports. Um, it's the Monday before Halloween. Yeah, let's so go. Scott's really uh, fired up. I am, yes. So, I uh, hope you had a nice week. And I just got a um, <laughs> just got a text. It's a video that Scott sent me. And there's a picture. There was two. So, you were at, uh, what was it called? Spooky Empire. Which is like a big... Um, it's uh, the banner outside called it the dark side of Comic-Con. So what is this? A table of swords and machetes? What is this? Machetes, knives, and cleavers. Of like what? Your favorite horror, horror characters? Film? Yes. So like there's a Freddy Krueger machete or something? Yep. Michael Myers. And people buy this. Uh, not only do they buy it, I'd like to remind... I, I would like to uh, uh, explain... That we were, we went it's over like a look- leather face machete or yeah, something. Yes, yes. Or Jason, we we're like looking at him. He's like, "Oh yeah, you can pick them up, but be careful. They are still real." It's like the it clown on a knife. Uh your guy Art the clown from Terrifier. There's one. It might that one might have been sold out. Yeah, and, and we wonder why we have issues. I mean, we wonder why we have problems in society. I have a lot of stories from from Spooky to tell you. <sighs> wow. Walked by one table, and they go, hey, have you ever held a human skull before? Um, and your answer was? No. And they go, would you like to? No, thank you. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so there was that. Uh, your clown from Terrifier to uh, from Terrifier. My clown. You watch the trailer; it's more than I can say. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of him walking around. Okay. With a with a, a hacksaw. Huh. Yeah. And you were there Saturday and Sunday. N- n- not once, but twice. Yeah, yeah. There was still stuff we didn't see on on Saturday. Two different costumes, or two different costumes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we went as the couple from Midsommar on Saturday, and then uh, yesterday we went as Jack and Sally from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, it was awesome. It was great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. Did time. you buy anything? But a lot you of a stuff. Saw at home or something? I did not buy. I did not buy that. I bought, I bought this shirt. What's that? It says uh, it's two ghosts, and it says no feet. Mm-hmm. It's from Beetlejuice. Okay. Um, so there's that. Uh, took it a horror themed improv show. All right. Yeah, so it's like shout out a couple of things like uh, uh, are the concessions like you know instead of fries it's like guts or something like that. No, it was the normal convention center. Yeah, soup with eyeballs or something, not chicken noodle soup. I will say at this convention I've been to to several. This one actually sold alcohol. Uh, why not liquor people up if you can buy a machete and a sword? Because when we were wa- uh, watching the costume contest yesterday, there was one guy. Woo! 
every time every time a new person came on to the stage, woo, yeah, every single time. All right, well, yeah. I did a good time. Missed you though. I, I I'm bummed you weren't there. Yeah, I wasn't able to make it. Also, like three rows of of tattoo artists of people getting tattooed during the show. Nothing says love like walking into a show like that and inking up. Exactly. Yes. Mm. But uh, I was fantastic. It was a, it was a great experience. Okay. Yeah. I sent you the video that I sent Bianca. I don't need to see that. Well, now you know what it looks like. Exactly, I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the key is to show people the video and then to say stick around for the ending. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I'm good. I'm good. No, come on. Just click it on and look at it. No, he talked about it being disgusting. I don't First off, see that. Again, you know what I think of how my food is. It, it just comes. They just make it. Yeah, it's like, just there. Like if I get a side of ribs, someone just makes that. Okay? It doesn't come from something. Mm-hmm. So we went to Sam Jones Barbecue, mm-hmm. which is actually right outside of Greenville, highly recommended by Chris Gentry. Who I love, but I'm not happy with this morning. <laughs> um, Chris went to ECU, and like after the game, I get the 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 ECU flag gif that he sends me. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, what you know? What's that about? Um, but he recommended the place, and we went there. The food was really good. Uh, and outside, like the restaurant looks like a log cabin, mm-hmm. and then outside is like their their smoke pit house. Mm. They have like eight massive smokers inside there. Okay. So the door was open, and, I mean, the smell of barbecue, it's like, wow, it's great. And I walked to take a picture and a video of, like, the uh, fireplace area, mm-hmm. and the guy's like, here, come on back. So I'm like, oh, cool, go on back. And Scott, I'm thinking, like, he's going to open up, and there's, like, a slab of ribs and stuff, and he opens up, and yep, what do you got? That. There's the whole pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, good thing we ate before. So wait, what was this place called? Sam Jones Barbecue. So the guy that played Flash Gordon. And the former NBA champion for the Celtics, not him. Oh. Yeah, not him. Gotcha. Yeah. So, But it was really good. We had a good time, and um, uh, food was good, and we'll get to the game in a little bit. But um, uh, good. I had a mac and cheese Mm -hmm. and the hand-cut fries, which are not normal for the foods I eat, but you won't appreciate if you're going to go to a place like this. So I, you know, conserved what would be my caloric intake for the day, and... Uh, enjoyed it. It was really good. And, oh. and I had the um, uh, ribs and their chopped barbecue, Ooh. which was fantastic. Uh, actually, I thought the chopped barbecue was better than the ribs, which was a little tough. They weren't baby backs, so a little bit tougher, but the chopped barbecue uh, was fantastic. Got a good time. How was your early morning run in the cold? So, so uh, the weather was fantastic. We got up there Friday. It was I think it was still low 70s, upper 60s. Uh, got up Saturday morning, and I stepped outside at like 7.15. It was 56, 57 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. It was gorgeous. Mm, it was great. Nice. Had a great, great run. Um, and, uh, and you know, the outcome of the game wasn't very good. But, again. The, I didn't ask about that. I asked about the, your run. The run was good. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, that was all fine. Got home. I don't want to get home. I walked to my house like 3.15. But, I know you uh, texted me or emailed me. I didn't text you. you emailed I emailed you. I, didn't, yeah. I, I wasn't waking anybody up at that time. No. So. You don't know um, somebody. Anyway, otherwise, uh, let's see. What else of the weekend? Eh, nothing big. Watch the F1 race. Max Verstappen. Lewis Hamilton battling final eight laps. I mean, mm. flashbacks of last year. Yeah. And then Max blows by him with five laps to go and wins. And then Hamilton complains, oh, he's going out of the line all the time. <clears throat> and... Um, so Max wins uh, the U.S. Grand Prix Constructors title for uh, Red Bull. Uh, but that was a good race. Um, 
Yeah, I, I filled out my ballot. I told Bianchi this. And when I got done, I, I I did do a moment of pause and go, wow, no wonder we're in in trouble. It, it Again, I, how many of you, and here's, here's the official disclaimer, I don't care how you vote, just vote. Just vote. How many of you take the time to read what the amendments are on the back of the ballot and and we're asking people if you want to keep state Supreme Court justices when they've never even heard of the name, seen the name, and will never look up the name, and that's how we determine how people are on the state Supreme Court? Yes. And appeal judges, I mean, this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. And study after study show right now four out of five, four out of five people that vote cannot name their representative. Four to five people do not know who represents them. Wow, what a system. Anyway, make sure you vote. Exactly, yeah. You know, and please take the time to read about the issues that actually impact the town you live in. And remember, unlike my neighbor, it is not to see how many you get right. It's to it's to do the research and vote on things, that, you know, the way you feel. Yeah, I have a neighbor. It's like, I can nail that one, five out of six. It's not a parley or right. a, a parlay. Right, right. Well, same guy that asked me, you know, when he can vote in the Iowa caucus. But anyway. Uh, that's pretty much it. Oh yeah, you haven't you haven't seen, I haven't seen what? Dragon. No, no. I've uh, this is uh, the last four episodes I missed. Was last night the season finale? Yes. Yeah, don't tell me. I won't. Uh, I will catch up with my wife when we have time to do it. I've not been able to do these on Sundays for a variety of reasons that do not need to be made. Um, but uh, we have a lot of things the football weekend to get to. Oh. Interesting moment shopping yesterday. Can I share? Yes. I don't know how the person got it in the wagon unless somebody helped them. But you know the large bags of pet food? Yeah. Like I think it was like a 40-pound bag of dog food. Yeah. So it's in the uh, cart of this woman in front of me. And she's with what looks to be, I don't know, six, seven-year-old daughter. Okay? And they're unpacking their cart. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the bag, which is... In the cart. Yeah. Now, do I just grab the bag? Do I say, can I help you with that? Mm-hmm. Or do I wait for them to ask me for help? You offer. What do you think happens here? Uh, I believe you offered. Believe yeah. I offered? Yes. Okay. You're a good person. She is down to the final few items and has that look of, I can't lift the bag without even saying anything. Mm-hmm. I just go and grab the bag. Yeah. The cashier says, ready, Scott? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very kind of you. The woman looks at me like, what the hell are you touching my bag of food for? Oh, no. Oh, no. I grabbed this baby, you know, pull it up, put it right there. Mm-hmm. And wait, held it so that if she wanted to scan or enter, put it back in the wagon. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And the woman turns and looks, Scott, like this, like, just a weird look. I didn't ask for your help. No thank you, no nothing. The cashier rings it up. I put it back in the wagon. I don't get a thank you. Wow. What What kind of society are we? She didn't, ask, she didn't ask for your help. It wasn't a case like, do I think you can or can't look? I'm just offering to help. But you didn't. The thing is, you didn't just offer. You did it. That's the problem. I wasn't infringing. Like, I wasn't taking your chicken tender sub or something. You know? Trying to be a nice guy. Call him up at 96 on the game.com, the Monday Notebook. Which does talk about the Knights, the Canes, and Jimbo, and some other college football items that we put in on the Monday Notebook. Oh, we'll check it out, 96 on the game.com.
What happened in Greenville for you, CF? What went wrong and what lies ahead? That and the other items of the football weekend all coming up on the Beat of Sports. The Beat of Sports, Lamar Daniels, are brought to you by the Orlando Touchdown Club. We meet tonight, Matt Sinchkin, who was a guest on our program last Thursday from the SEC Network. College Football Hall of Famer is going to be the guest speaker tonight. You can go to OrlandoTDClub.com. We've still got several uh, meetings this season, including one in January. Um, and if you want to join the club, you can still do that at a prorated uh, membership price. Uh, and and come to a meeting, and you know you pay as you come. Go to OrlandoTDClub.com, OrlandoTDClub.com to get more information. And again, we'll be there tonight at the tap room at Dubstrad for uh, tonight's Orlando Touchdown Club uh, meeting. Um, so, as I wrote in my column today, ninety six in the game dot com, the Monday Notebook, cheap plug. UCF goes into the game against East Carolina with everything in front of them. That they would like to attain. The goal of going undefeated was gone, but the ability of winning a conference title, going to a New Year's Six Bowl, sits in front of them. Talked last week that uh, the ECU game was the first of a challenging four-game stretch on the road at ECU, home against Cincinnati, then back-to-back road games against Memphis and Tulane, and you'd have an idea where they stood. And um, uh, East Carolina, whatever you know or don't know about them, uh, this season should have beat NC State to begin the year. Had a bizarre loss in overtime to Navy. Came into the game at four and three. Had a four overtime win against Memphis the week before. Holton Adler's their quarterback in his fifth year as a starter. Hadn't beaten UCF for the four previous tries. Um, an offense with a, a couple of really talented wide receivers. One C.J. Johnson who. I'm pretty sure he's going to play on Sundays. A really talented running back, Keaton Mitchell. So the type of game that UCF is going to have to win the battle against East Carolina's offense. I said last week they're going to throw the ball up at 50-50 balls, and you've got to win that battle. I said you've got to figure out a way to not let Keaton Mitchell beat you. And UCF's defense is going to have to, as they did the two previous weeks, if you've got to make adjustments, win that battle again. And then it was the first true road test for John Rice Plumley and UCF's offense. The game at FAU, UCF had about 40% of the crowd there for that game. So here's the first time you're on the road, uh, and how would you handle it? And sometimes the basic things, like I often say, don't overcomplicate the game of football. Sometimes you can, but sometimes you get back to the basic things. So win the turnover battle, right? Clichés used. This is the classic case where if you lost a turnover battle, you really get a hard time winning. Uh, three key turnovers while the game is still up for grabs. The one late in the game, UCF is, I mean, Palmy throws the ball towards the end zone. The game's already out of hand. Um, they get three turnovers. In UCF's first six games this season, they had seven turnovers, and they allowed three points after those turnovers. Seven times they turned it over. The defense only gave up three points. They had three turnovers in the first half that led to 17 East Carolina points. That's a big factor. 50-50 balls, I'll get to in a moment, but 50-50 balls, I'll get to a key play among 50-50 balls. 50-50 balls, three of them, East Carolina won. And all three were huge, meaning 
their quarterback, Holton Eller, is going to throw it up and trust that his 6-2 or 6-3 receiver is going to win the battle they did 3-4. And, and the one that he missed wasn't an interception. The ball was incomplete. Uh, Keaton Mitchell had a big game running for East Carolina. UCF's defense did not make some of the same adjustments or, or whatever adjustments. It didn't lead to the same results they had the last couple of weeks. Uh, but John Rice Plumley on offense was not at the level that you needed him to be that he was the last two weeks. Two home games, he throws for 689, six touchdowns, no picks. He runs for three, and the offense is clicking. It didn't click, and he struggled. Um, first interception, it's a bad throw. Uh, second pick, again, without knowing what UCF called there, but it's a pick, and it, and it leaves the points. The fumble, he breaks free, he runs, he's got a first down. He's going to get, if not to the 20, inside the 20, and you've got red zone opportunity looking to score, but he stripped to the football. EC recovers. So they build a 17-0 lead um, on UCF before they get a field goal at the end of the half to make it 17-3. And quickly, 10 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader, Mark Daniels, and the Beat of Sports. Again, you go back, start of the game, ECU hits you up right in the field goal, they march down the field. Um, then after a 30-yard run by Isaiah Bowser, Plumley's picked off. It leads to a field goal. Plumley then fumbles. Ten plays, 80 yards by ECU. Interception after you're driving to ECU side of the field. Seven plays, 72 yards, and you're down 70 nothing. So you get the field goal to end the half, but UCF's possessions in the first half are interception, fumble, interception, field goal. That's it. They had the ball four times in the first half. So you're down 17-3, and you know the importance of the drive to start the third quarter. Uh, hey, let's get down, let's score, and you're back in the game. Well, okay, UCF comes out. Uh, Bowser runs for 14. Plumley runs for 11. Uh, they got a fourth down and two on the ECU side of the field, and Plumley runs for four. Uh, you hit Alec Holler for 30. You get in the end zone, touchdown run by Bowser. Okay. 10 plays, 74 yards, it's 17-10. Now you're back in the game. Now now the momentum is on your side. You've rallied from 17-0. It's 17-10. The offense just got a touchdown. Now can the defense step up and get a key stop? Well, ECU gets the ball after the kickoff, uh, pick up a first down, and they're near midfield. They got a third and four at their 42-yard line after they did get a first down. Third and four. 42-yard line. Get a stop, get the ball back. And a really critical play. C.J. Johnson, who had a big night for ECU, he, he runs, and Ehlers, lefty, throws left, and throws the ball up. It's 50-50 ball. He just throws the ball up. And C.J. Johnson makes a great catch on Justin Hodges. And I think both will get a chance to play on Sundays. Um, it's not that Hodges had terrible coverage. It's that C.J. Johnson makes a great catch. He picks up 25 on the play, and they score four plays later. UCF gets a personal foul on one play, which was a pass for a gain of 11, they score. It's 24-10. All right, you're back down 14. You're still in the football game. UCF goes three and out. Um, They got a third and four at their 29. Plumley 
has a pocket that opens up and he can run. And if he runs, he's got the first down. But he doesn't run. He steps back, then gets sacked. You go three and out and punt. Uh, Okay, well, let's get a stop. Get the football back. Well, they make a field goal. Now it's 27-10. Now you're getting in trouble in the fourth quarter. Third down, seven. You got to make a pass. He took a sack. When he had a chance to throw the football or even throw it away, then took a sack, then you punt, and game over. You see why it's a score. Uh, and uh, they, I mean, even though you see, kicked the field goal to make it a two touchdown game, ECU adds a touchdown and uh, 34 13, uh, the final. Uh, it's a good win for ECU. They may end up being an eight and four football team. They still got they play at BYU, who's really struggling right now, but they still have Cincinnati and Houston among their games left. Maybe they go eight and four. I don't know. Uh, for UCF in that game, turnovers they're magnified. Again, the one late you can throw away, but the three in the first quarter they're huge. They lead to seventeen ECU points. UCF's defense was not able to make the successful adjustments that they had done. Earlier in the season, not just against um, SMU and Temple, they did it against Georgia Tech, they did it against FAU, and blew those teams out. And what you're looking for, the consistency of John Rice Plumley, you had it the last two games, you're looking for now the road game, and he's not the only reason why they lost, but those are mistakes that makes it really hard to win on the road. So Plumley wasn't as sharp as you need him. Um... I thought UCF's offensive line struggled at times in this game against the ECU defensive front. And then defensively, they didn't win 50-50 battles for balls. And Holton Aylers and their offensive game plan uh, was better. That night executing. He was 30 of 36 and found open guys, and they moved the ball when they needed to. And they got the win. The UCF rode ahead... Even though if you want to be the angry fan, the road ahead, they still control their destiny to win the league. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to roll off five straight wins. But at 5-2, and two, their biggest game of the year, obviously, is always the next one. But it is Cincinnati this week. Uh, the Bearcats held off SMU late. They won, ranked inside the top 20, trying to get to a third straight New Year's Six Bowl. They're in a great spot. UCF needs to beat Cincinnati and run the table. That would include wins over Cincinnati, Tulane, that are both ranked now. If you beat Cincinnati, they'll probably fall to the top 25. But uh, that would include a win over Cincinnati, Tulane, who's ranked, and probably beating one of them again in a conference championship game or Houston, unless things get really crazy in the conference. And then you'd sit at 11-2. and two. So you can still win the league. And then if the goal is still to get to a New Year's Six Bowl, that still may be there, because if you take a look, someone's got to get there from the group of five. Highest-ranked group of five team. Well, the rest of the G5 leagues at the moment have um, Coastal 6-1 and one in the Sun Belt. No big games left on their schedule. I don't know if a 12-1 and one Coastal Carolina team would get in over an 11-2 and two UCF. Uh, and then Boise State, which is the interesting one, after being 2-2, two and two, fired their OC. They've won three in a row. If they win out, that would be nine straight for them. And maybe they would be ranked higher. But the point is, you'd at least be part of that debate. So, I know if you're angry over the loss, which is fine. I'm just trying to 
be the optimist here and say that's the path that would be there. Now, you got to go play those games and win those games, and you have a tough one this week against Cincinnati. Um, and, yeah, you've got to have better play quarterback and better offensive line play, and the defense has to get back to being the defense that they were in previous games. But, again, sometimes the basic stuff ends up being the difference in a game. Can I tell you that if UCF doesn't turn the ball over in the first quarter, that they win and win easily? No, that's a big jump. But if they don't turn the ball over, yeah, it's a different game. Doesn't mean ECU wouldn't have won, but it's a different game. Particularly on the drives and where UCF turns the ball over. I mean, again, every turnover that happens, uh, it's at the ECU 39, it's at the ECU 20, it's at the ECU 29. All three turnovers come on the ECU side of the field. Hard to overcome. Now, yeah, they had a drive down three times, but those things do come back and bite you. Plus, third down conversions for East Carolina were big for them uh, in the football game when you got to find a way to get off the field. And, uh, you know, you look and go, okay, third downs. They were 9 for 14. And several times you're like, hey, get a stop here. Momentum can shift, and it doesn't happen. So that's what happened in Greenville, and it's a tough loss. And I know people are, as they are after every game, get emotionally charged up. A lot of people wanted to make a big deal when Gus, and the question's fair, the question was asked about, did he think of a quarterback change? And he said no, and he gave his reason why. And just my opinion, which is worth whatever anybody wants to put on it, uh, I'm not quite sure that that would have changed the outcome of the game. Not saying that Mikey Keene or Thomas Castellanos couldn't come in and do some things, but Plumlee did some things to help UCF stick around in the game. Um, but I do think as the pressure mounted, there were some plays that were there that were not executed. Um, how anybody can say, well, if you change quarterbacks here, they would have won. I don't know how you conclude that. And that's what armchair quarterbacking is. I don't know if putting in either Mikey Keene or true freshman quarterback in Thomas Castellanos, that, that all of a sudden everything changes and UCF ends up winning that game comfortably or by a little bit. Did John Rice Plumley play well? No. Did he play really, really bad? No. Um, final stats can be a little bit deceiving as UCF got some yards when it was a, a, a three-possession game. But I'm not sitting there going, yeah, if you yank them early, uh, they would have gone on to win. They were still in the football game at 17-10 in the third quarter. Third and four gave up a 50-50 ball that ends up being a really big play uh, at that moment. Um, UCF does play Cincinnati Saturday at 3.30 uh, at a sold-out FBC Mortgage Stadium. Our coverage begins at uh, 1.30 coming up on uh, Saturday. Uh, Magic Basketball is back in action tonight, still looking for their first win going to be tough when you go to the garden in october right no one likes going to the garden in october <laughs> the one and one knicks uh take on the zero and three magic uh tonight i got a i got a text and a picture of our good friend joel glass mm. magic media team uh he he was at yankee stadium for the game oh okay yeah that wasn't fun can i 
ask you a question? Uh, an, uh, the Yankees? An ethics question. It's tangentially related to... An uh, ethics question? Yeah, yeah. What do you think about this? I'm not going to name names about going to a wedding, and during the wedding you are watching a Yankee game on your phone what's during my, the wedding. What's my connection to the bride and or groom? You do a radio show with uh, the groom. Am I part of the wedding party? No, you're I'm, just in the audience. It's cool. Okay. No issue. Okay. All. I'm not going to name names of who this I mean, person now, is. Now, you have to be affiliated to that particular team. There's a diehard fan. People know you. I mean, you can't be sitting there because you've got a three-team parlay and you're checking out the Chargers game. No, this person is definitely uh, a diehard Yankees just fan. Just watching or is audio turned up or just watching? T- uh, inconclusive on that. But Somebody- not disrupting the event. No, yeah, well, I mean, maybe if there are people around you that yeah. are like, "Hey, buddy, put the phone away." Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're cool with this uh, producer? Yeah, I mean, this if you're just a show. friend that's there, mm-hmm. you know, what Tazi did this? No, no producer of a radio show in the afternoons in the program director of that oh, radio. Oh, Jack Bradshaw did it. Maybe. Okay. I'm not going to name names. Jack's whether... a diehard Yankee fan, so he's allowed. Don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you have him if he was at the wedding party to do it? I think at the wedding party, that's a little bit of a stretch. Mm. What if it's like, Just hey, invited and in. It, now, now, I do think if you're going to do that, you should sit as far back as you can. Okay. I'm not, I'm not because sure. Because if it's obvious, like you're in row five, like right behind the family, yeah. and you've got the phone up, I think that's a little obvious. But if it's, you know, I'm in row 16, okay. and there's only like two other people in the row, mm-hmm. no issue. Yeah, somebody did ask the picture that I saw of did he have an AirPod in to also listen to the game? Would you have been okay with that as well? Uh, AirPod in right ear if you're tilting your body so people can't see it. <laughs> well, they're going to tell you you're doing something because your phone is right there. Yeah, I, I, I'm okay if I'm just okay. an invited guest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, more college football from the weekend. Uh, the woes for the Canes, the national scene, including a team that got really screwed years ago by the playoff committee that might get screwed again. Plus later, Brady, Rodgers, their woes, and much more on the Beat of Sports. The Beat of Sports, we're brought to you by Seminole Power Sports, number one in fast fun. Reinhardt Road in Sanford, Highway 441 in Eustis. Online at SeminolePowerSports.com. Holiday season's right around the corner, and it's okay to treat yourself sometimes. So uh, stop on my visit our good friends. Whether you're looking for something in the water, the road, the dirt, uh, the road, whatever it is, you'll find it all camping, tailgating, right there uh, at Seminole Power uh, Sports. Um, by the way, as much as I hated to watch the Yankees get swept, Okay. I will say the Bryce Harper home run mm-hmm. was really cool because of the, the, the moment, the magnitude of it, mm-hmm. the crowd celebrating and everything. And yes, a third place team is going to the World Series. It's, that's the beauty of the playoffs. If, if you don't like it, change the format. They did. They've changed the format like every other year. Right. And I do think that this World Series will push for the lowest rated World Series ever. Yeah. It will. It will. It, it starts Friday, um, and you're going to compete with football, and I just don't think this is going to rate well. Yeah. And that's not anything to do with the bitterness of the Yankees losing. The Yankees deserve the outcome they got. I'm disappointed about that, but yeah. 
this this World Series will not draw. You don't give the Astros any credit considering the fact that they like their top players have all been gone. No, 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 no. I think the Astros. I said this to Mike. Okay, the Astros won because the players that are expected to come through in big moments came through in big moments. Okay, I mean Bregman every time up, he got a base hit, they're not going to run. Okay, the Astros are the better team. They deserve to be where they are. There's still a few punks that are hanging around that team <laughs> that are part of uh, the cheating scandal. So, anyway. Um, as I was at the stadium in Greenville on Saturday, we got there at like 2.15. And, you know, you're setting up and doing a little prep work, and then you're watching. I got We got the TV on, and, and I have my computer watching some college football. Um, and... I'm not going to get into why the Miami game was where it was. It was an ESPN3 game that was available on Valley Sports in Florida that is not available where I was because of where I was. If I was in Florida, I could have watched it on Valley Sports. Yeah. But I can't get online access because it's protected to the ACC Network's online. Anyway, so all I have is Twitter updates Twitter updates, and scoreboard because I was watching uh, several of the games. I was watching Cincinnati and SMU and LSU's uh, Ole Miss game. And Miami's up 21-17. Todd Van Dyke's knocked out of the game. And you're like, ah, I guess Miami, you know, probably may win this close game. And all of a sudden, it's uh, 24-21, 31-38-45. And you're like, huh? What? 28 straight by Duke. Eight turnovers by Miami. Uh, They gave up six sacks. And whatever the announced crowd of 57,000 was, there were maybe... A couple thousand left, and understandably why, at the end of the football game. And for Miami, they now sit at three and four. Think about this. Middle Tennessee is a game Miami should never have lost. And I guess you could say that Miami should not lose to Duke because you would think the personnel that Miami has is still better than whatever Duke has, and you should win that game. And if you want to go the route like a lot of people tried to do on Twitter, hey, it's Manny's fault because when in doubt, blame Manny Diaz. And two, you got to give Mario a chance to build his team, which I'm okay with that. But you can't go, it's first-year coach. Mike Elko's a first-year coach. He took over a 3-9 Duke team, and they're 5-3. and three. So the first-year coach thing also applies to the guy on the other sideline. Uh, and they've been competitive. I mean, Duke was in the game with Carolina last week, and they're five and three. And they put up those points and go, well, eight turnovers. Well, yeah, they took advantage of Miami turnovers there. Now the Canes are three and four because if they beat Middle Tennessee, uh, beat Middle Tennessee State, and you beat Duke, you're five and two. You could live with it and go, okay. I, but now a team that people thought were going to compete in the uh, uh, division. Now they're three and four, and again, I mean, we play this game like Mike and I were talking earlier today about okay, where's the team after this game, and then where are they going as far as the rest of the season record wise? Well, Miami's three and four right now. The remaining schedule is at Virginia, home for Florida State, at Georgia Tech, at Clemson, and Pitt. You would initially go, well, there's three wins there to make a bowl game, but even then, I would say if you're a Canes fan. And I told you it's 6-6 six and six to play in this bowl. You don't care. And what it does, as I mentioned to Mike, and a Florida fan comes Saturday 7.30, because these CBS games are taking four hours to play, 
Come 7.30 Saturday, a Gator fan may be in the same position because Florida's a 21-point underdog to Georgia. That would put him at 4-4. Four and four. And you, you then go from the, hey, I got it, new coach, inherited a team that needs a lot of things to be uh, built up, and we'll be fine. By the end of year two, year three, uh, we'll be fine. Well, Florida, Florida barring the upset of Georgia, is 4-4. Four and four. And if the game gets away from them, remember the journey matters. If Florida loses to Georgia, I'm going to make up a score, 38-34. And they got the ball, final drive falls short. A little bit different. If you lose 45-14 and you're never in the game, then 4-4 four and four doesn't feel as good. And then it's more of the what's going on, wow, it's longer than I take. And that's just how this thing unfolds with first-year coaches in a very impatient college football world where we demand instant results. And as Mike was right when he brought up on the bridge, Josh Heupel is bad for a lot of people. (laughs) He's great for Tennessee, but he's bad because there's enough people going, well, look what he did in a situation that had 30-plus guys leave the team and he had to hit the transfer portal. Look what he did. And they're ranked number three in the country, and why can't we be like that? But it doesn't always work that way. And I said in I said the transfer portal was going to be a four to five year process, meaning to figure out how teams construct their rosters. What is the shift? Not the first two or three years, but give me year four and five have more schools shifted towards, hey, at least half of my new players are going to be transfers that I'm going to look at half my class to be high school seniors, the other half are going to be transfers, that's the norm for me, and how common is that? That is big. Because if more teams take that route, and if it's not 50%, but 60%, three-quarters of your new players, remember, we're moving away from 2020 in the COVID year where everybody got the, hey, just transfer everyone. No one was blocked. Then you got the additional year of eligibility. Then you got the free transfer. Remember, everybody thinks players can transfer every single year, and you can't. So by the time we get to 2024, okay, everybody that got that free year is either fourth or fifth year senior, and no longer has that free transfer from COVID. So the portal is going to be more competitive. You don't get more than one transfer. The efforts to move the bill forward to allow for unlimited transfer, that died and, and apparently is buried, not coming back anytime soon. So if you think the route is, hey, we'll just go get a bunch of transfers, okay, it's a really competitive market because you don't, you can't leave every year. <laughs> Guys that are on their third school right now are not the norm in three years. They're not. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays itself out in the next couple of years. Um, By the way, the national scale, and we're getting closer now. We're uh, closing in on when the college football playoff committee is going to release its first rankings. But interesting to watch right now. Yeah, I know. The SEC's got seven teams in the top 25. All right. Everybody in the Southeast has loved the idea after the Tennessee win of going, well, how about three teams in the college football playoff? And I joke, what about five for four spots? 
I'm going to give you a team to keep an eye on that really got screwed in 2014. When TCU was ranked third going into the final weekend and won and ended up sixth in the college football playoff rankings, they were put third by the same group the week before, won their game, and were placed sixth and didn't make the playoff. TCU sits at 7-0 right now. They were not a preseason pick. They were not expected to have a good year. Sonny Dykes took over. Gary Patterson was forced out, fired, left in his own whatever. And Sonny Dykes came over from SMU. And they're 7-0 and and ranked 7th behind one loss, Alabama. Okay, fine. Alabama lost a great game with Tennessee. Um, the last four wins by TCU have been against teams. At the time they played them, they were ranked. Now, I do think there's something to that where at the end of the year, you can go, well, that team wasn't as good as they uh, were ranked at the time. Or sometimes that was a good win. That team suffered some injuries and not as good as they were. But their last four wins came against Oklahoma when they were ranked 18th, Kansas when they were ranked 15th, Oklahoma State when they were ranked 8th, and Kansas State when they were ranked 17th. There are no ranked teams left on TCU's schedule at the moment. And probably only... Well, maybe none, actually. West Virginia, Texas Tech, Texas, Baylor, Iowa State left on the schedule. If they go 13-0, if they went out and win a championship game, would they get left out versus a one-loss SEC team, assuming the other three spots go to unbeaten teams? Meaning, let's say Georgia-Tennessee winner wins out. Ohio State or Michigan wins out. Clemson wins out, and they're three teams that are locked in. An undefeated TCU at 13-0 and versus a one-loss SEC team. And what would be, if they ran the table, a 12-1 and Oregon team. A lot of football left to be played, but I'm just telling you that there's an undefeated team that knows the pain of being left out before that I wonder when they start stacking resumes... And take a look at brands, what would happen to them? Uh, we come back, what's wrong with the Bucks? Maybe it's not that hard to figure it out, but tougher to fix. We'll explain next. So, uh, is this you too? This is you too, yeah. yeah. I haven't heard this song in a long time. Sometimes my goal is to either uh, that response or an uh, underrated, underrated song by yeah, that artist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a bad song, just I haven't heard in a long time. Uh, we're brought to you by our good friend Scott Simpson, the Simpson team at FBC Mortgage. If you need help, uh, one, in getting a mortgage, getting pre-approved, the whole process, all that stuff, Scott and his team can help you out. Uh, find them online at WGLoans.com, WGLoans.com, because they're based in uh, Winter Garden. Um. <clears throat> oh, can I share a quick uh, story? Yeah, of course. Um, Saturday morning, breakfast options. It's uh, Scott Adams, myself, and Gary Paris. Mm-hmm. You got to respect the group, right? Yeah. You want to make Gary walk a long distance, where for Scott and I, it may not be that big of a deal, right? Yeah. So... 
there were better options, but in the end, it's like, all right, we'll go across the street to the Golden Arch place. Mm-hmm. Not much I can eat there, but no big deal. You can figure it out, yeah. What's your thought on the uh, use the touch screen to uh-huh. order? Yeah. And and the woman at the counter, who I guess could walk 12 paces out to help somebody who doesn't mm-hmm. know what they're doing, mm-hmm. say, touch higher, touch it there. Mm-hmm. Touch it. Th- no. Okay. Go back. Go. P- First off, I feel like I'm on a game show. Yeah. It's like you could walk out mm-hmm. and just help, help the person. Yeah. Which is then followed by the just come up here and do it. So then mm-hmm. I'm a little bit confused. I made my order successfully on the touch screen. There you take a number. They, they have like the little number cards next to the. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it says, we'll bring it out to you. Correct. Except, I see no one going out to bring it. They're just announcing numbers at the counter. What do you do? You go get the food when they call your number. So, no, but, but you can't because the, uh, uh, the dining room is around, so you've got to stand. Yeah. So then they go, Sugar, can I help you? I got, I'm just waiting for my food. We'll bring it out to you. And then two seconds later, 40! <laughs> I'm like, what do I do here now? <laughs> am I sitting? Should I stand here? If I stand here, am I doing it wrong? She's going to yell if at I, me if I walk up like, there. What do I do here right now? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Um, you should text me. I know the I know the, the tips on this. I went there this uh, morning. Man, that stuff got expensive. I hadn't been in, in that place. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yep. For just the, the traditional little sandwich? Want to use my, some of my reward points? I got like... No, it's okay. I'm not going to be back a ton. Soon. Wow. So, why are the Bucks three and four? Why are the Bucks struggling? Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back and review some things here. the uh, The Bucks this season, before the year, we all looked and said, "That's a pretty interesting schedule." This is. This is Tom Brady took his time off, came back, and like, I don't think it'll be a problem. He's Tom Brady and all that, and, and it's going to be fine. Cowboys, Saints, Packers, Chiefs, before the year, you're thinking, man, you know, if you it, it, if you went 2-2 two and two there, 3-1 and would be really good, but 2-2. Two and two. So the Bucks beat the Cowboys, beat the Saints, all right. But the offense, you know, 19 and 20 points, but the defense gave up 3-10. and 10. They're fine. Then you play the, uh, you play the Chiefs. Uh, lose 41-31. You're like, all right, hey, Chiefs are pretty good, right? Well, I'm sorry, play the Packers. Yeah, lost that 14, uh, 14-12 game to the Packers. Then lost the Chiefs. You're like, all right, okay. Beat the Falcons, then lost to Pittsburgh, and now lost to the Panthers. Remember Todd Bowles a couple of weeks ago when he made the comment, we got too many guys living off the laurels of the Super Bowl? And you kind of wonder if that was a coach bubbling up inside wanting to say some things to kind of tell you, look, you're going to point fingers at me. I get it. It's the job of the coach, but we got some guys that need to play better. We need to have certain veterans understand that it ain't two years ago. It ain't 2020 anymore. Then the Brady stuff gets magnified. All of a sudden, 
It is the issues. He went to Robert Kraft's wedding and didn't go through the walkthrough. Now it is about the offensive line changes. And all of a sudden, Leonard Fournette on third and one. And again, I believe I saw this. He's had 11 third and ones. He's converted one uh, this year when he's gotten uh, the football. Uh, Mike Evans makes the drop yesterday. And all of a sudden, are their receivers is healthy? A guy comes back from a knee injury. He's not as strong in the defense. And the little things add up. And in the NFL, unlike college football, in the NFL, the margin from a one and four, one and five team to a three and three team is not as big. And then you watch a game yesterday where you're like, "What's wrong with the Bucks?" Evans drops that ball, and all of a sudden you're like, "Wait, who? Who's that guy for the Panthers? And who, who, who's this guy?" And seven nothing becomes fourteen nothing, uh, and then in watching at fourteen nothing, I. I thought the game's over, and it was. And now, if you're in the position of can the Bucks just flip a switch on, I don't know. I don't know if there's just a switch. And now you wonder the frustration of Brady, how that adds up. It's not like the Bucks have... I mean, every team's dealing with injuries right now. It's not like there's four key players that were out that are going to come back and play. But you do wonder, those little things, Brady's story, has it affected him? Has it affected his teammates? Bowles pretty much calling out his team that, you know, we got guys that got to be better. And is there a fix? And as much as I laugh, for example, about my beloved Giants that have won six games by eight points or less, and I'm, I'm going to do the same thing we do in college football. If you start playing the game of how many wins it takes or what a team's record may be, if you think with a 17-game schedule it takes 10 wins to make the playoffs, uh, well, the Giants got six. They need four more. But for the Bucks, the Bucks are already in the spot where you're going, ah, but they can still win the division. Yes, they can. At three and four, they're tied with Atlanta, and Carolina and New Orleans are a game back at two and five. But the Bucks are zero in point differential. And all right, well, let's play. What's the schedule the rest of the way for Tampa? All right, well, Thursday against the Ravens. The Bucks have three straight home games. Ravens, Rams then Seahawks, then at Browns, then Saints. That's four of the next five games at home. If the Bucks go 4-1, and one, I guess we're fine. That puts you now at 7-5 and five, and probably in first place in the division. And I guess you could then say, pun intended, the ship has been put back on track. But you watch the Bucks, and you just get a sense that they're off. I watched... Just by what the red zone had on yesterday, I didn't watch the entire Packers game. I was focused on the Giant game. But Aaron Rodgers just looks disengaged. Here they are against the Commanders yesterday. Uh, Wait, so let me get this straight. Two former XFL 2.0 quarterbacks got victories this weekend over Brady and Rodgers. I like watching Heineke play, though. I know you do. He's just kind of out there like winging. I'm like, that dude's cool. I mean, I, I'm fine with that. But Rodgers yesterday, just like flipping balls and underthrowing. You wonder about both Brady and Rodgers. 
I do think Tom has regretted coming back. In Rodgers, there is this sense, and other people have brought this up, and I, I do agree a, a little bit about Rodgers on this. One of the reasons that Aaron Rodgers is still in Green Bay, one, it was the place that was going to pay him the most money. Two, I think there's something about both Brady and Rodgers. They're similar in how good they are, Brady with more Super Bowls, obviously, that they almost love the moment where people go, yeah, but they make everybody around them better, right? Brady never had the best receivers and running backs, but he just made guys better. Aaron Rodgers, he's never really had anybody other than Devontae Adams, and, you know, they love the I made him better. If I go to a place that's loaded with talent, I may not get as much credit. And I wonder if Rodgers is obsessed with that, that, yeah, I'll go back to Green Bay, make the most money, and, I, you know, we'll find guys. But then, then when the guys don't produce, you're like, eh, I don't know. I don't think Aaron Rodgers, whatever he said after the game yesterday, I, I'm not quite sure Aaron Rodgers thinks he has a receiving core to go deep uh, this year and gets disengaged. And if it does spin on them, and, and they're two games back of the Vikings now. Now, I mean, unlike the Bucks, that can win a division where it may take nine or ten, probably ten, uh, to win, uh, and I just gave you the Bucks schedule. That may be doable. In Green Bay, you're two back now. Maybe a lot harder there. And can you imagine an Aaron Rodgers if they're seven and eight? How engaged he is in games 16 and 17 if they're out of it. Whew. Uh, meanwhile, I did watch like anybody else. He watched Tua last night at the start of the game. And by the way, I, I, Scott, you've worked with me long enough. I don't have any issues with the 72 Dolphins and their celebrations no. of years past. And as somebody that grew up in South Florida, not born there, but grew up in South Florida at a time when the 72 team was still idolized as my family moved there in the uh, late 70s, not that far removed of 72, and knowing how famous those guys were and remain in South Florida. So I thought it was kind of cool last night as they honored that team. Um, and I love the uniforms the Dolphins wore last night. Not a great game. Kenny Pig with a chance to drive for a winning score for Pittsburgh at the end. Uh, the Dolphins do enough in a backup defensive back of a depleted Miami secondary makes a big uh, pick. Tua goes 21 of 35, 261, one touchdowns, no picks. Wasn't sacked. Wasn't sacked. And uh, Kenny Pickett threw three interceptions. And the Dolphins win, which after... Losing the way they had lost the last three weeks. Um, and he wins a good win. And like you, I watched. And that run by Tua where he kind of lowered his head and shoulders. He kind of went, whoa. I don't know if he was like, I'll show you how healthy I am. But um, he was fine physically. And uh, didn't show any effects of anything the last couple of weeks. And the Dolphins uh, get an important win for them at 4-3. and three. So, yes, I'm watching the Giants and Jags. Okay. No, the Jags are now two and five, and maybe their season is—I want—I mean, slipping away. Whatever you thought the Jaguars are going to be, um, they lead with a hail mary, and then it's like the Giants are like, "Oh, we're kind of hanging around, hanging around, hanging around," uh, and then the Giants get a drive. Barkley, who did nothing in the first half. So it's running in the second half. He cost the Giants twice on the clock. Now, again, I'm I, I'm happy he had a great game. But he, he went out of bounds with three and change to go that cost him a key 40 seconds there. And then 
He went out of bounds again that put 40 seconds back on the clock to give the Jags a chance for the Giants then had to kick a field goal to get the ball back to Jacksonville. And then three penalties called on the Giants. One terrible call on a roughing the passer. Scott Ann Bias gets at the Giants. What do you do, okay? You're the defensive lineman, right? Mm-hmm. Are you allowed to jump? No. No, no. I I can jump to go grab oh, you. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so if I come off a block and I uh. turn to jump up to block a pass. Oh, yeah. And my body's moving forward. Uh-huh. And you still have the ball because you haven't thrown yet. Yes. And I'm landing into you. Yeah. And we're calling that now. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. And that's protect, what got called. Got to protect the quarterback. Um, and here we are thinking, oh, this is an easy one for the Giants. And the Jaguars have the ball at the 16-yard line and throw a pass. And the Giants make a tackle with the one. And uh, somehow, some way, with victories by one, three, five, uh, five one, three, five, six, and eight. Uh, uh, no, whatever. All six Giant wins have been by eight points or less. And another one possession game. And, Scott, we might be the worst 6 and one team in NFL history, but I'll take it. It happens sometimes. Best division in football. Undefeated Eagles, 6-0. Yep. and oh, Giants, 6-1. and one, And the Cowboys are 5-2. and two. And all of a sudden, the Commanders are 3-4 and four now. Yeah. So I'll take that. Um, Joe Burrow was big yesterday. Man, did he throw for a ton of yards. Um, 481 for Burrow yesterday. He threw for, what, like 360-plus in the first half? A uh, Dak return and another tough Dan Campbell post game. You know, mm-hmm. when you're losing by one late, like one score late, it's okay. But when you're losing like they are now, it it's tough now. It's very tough now. The HBO hard knocks factor's worn off, mm-hmm. and now they're one in five, and Goff's making a bunch of turnovers left and right. Yeah. Oh, I may not care about the the, the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. I didn't but, think you would. No, no. They got screwed yesterday. Okay, the Browns are trying for a game-tying field goal. Now, 56 yards, not a chip shot. 56 yards, not a chip shot. And the 61-yarder falls well short may have been partially blocked. They got called for a false start where nobody moved. Nobody moved. Charlie Hewitt, former UCF Knight, is one of the NFL's best snappers. Okay? You're allowed to put your head down. Nobody moves. They get flagged. Back him up five yards, and then they missed the field goal. And there's like four different angles, and the Browns literally got screwed. They were flagged for five yards when it never should have been against them. The Jets, by the way, are five and two. Uh, so they beat uh, the Broncos, uh, and the Chiefs put up forty-four on the Niners. And everybody that's in love with the Niners, they're three and four. By the way, eleven o'clock hour. We'll uh, have a bridge playback from something Mike and I discussed this morning. The Magic, a little note on their start. They play the Knicks tonight, but it kicks off the hour does with Scott and the news next. Let's really do the news. Yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. 11 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando sports leader, Mark Daniels, the beat of sports. By the way, um, what was the name of your event again this weekend? Spooky Empire. The dark side of Comic-Con. What, 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 what's the most aggressive costume you and your girlfriend saw? Oh, I will, uh, I will, text, I will text it over to you. I didn't mean to ruin your intro. I, no, I no, no, not at all. Curious. Not at all. Uh, it was a very elaborate family um, cosplay. Oh, family? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kid, kids involved in everything. Okay. Um, 
You're you you like the movie The Exorcist, right? I'm sorry, what? You like the movie The Exorcist, right? Question mark. Like it? Yeah. It ranks up there with the omen as the two movies that made me petrified as a kid and quickly established my dislike for horror movies. You don't rewatch? Rewatch? Yeah. No. Oh, so you don't want me to recommend like a really good documentary about uh, The Exorcist? No. Oh, it's like l- as long as the movie. No. Oh, yeah. 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 No, there was a very, I, I just texted him, a very elaborate cosplay that involved uh, a Basically, a bed on wheels where the daughter is Reagan from The Exorcist. What the hell's wrong with this family? Yeah. Yeah, then there's another kid as, as Chucky. Huh. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that was one of the most elaborate. Uh, oh, yeah, and there's uh, the, the penguin from Batman Returns. Saw that at the... Uh, All right. At the... Get to the news. What up, my newsheads? What's going on? Seven days until Halloween, but first, let's do another edition of the news. I'm Scott Harris. That's Mark Daniels. We will run through the top stories in the sports world. Safeties Julian Love and Xavier McKinney stopped Jacksonville receiver Christian Kirk at the one-yard line with no time remaining, preserving a 23-17 victory over the Jaguars, which Saquon Barkley and quarterback Danny Dimes each ran for more than 100 yards. The Giants matched their best start since 2008 and handed the Jaguars a 19th consecutive loss in cross-division games. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the Penguin video you just saw. Oh, it's me. awesome, isn't it? I will admit, that's actually pretty good. Okay, I will send you some more videos from the uh, cosplay. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, so yeah, the Jaguars, Jags are, Jags are rolling right now, Mm -hmm. as they say. They are? Yes. The Jags are rolling? Sorry, Giants are rolling. Giants are rolling. Yeah. Uh, six and one on the season. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, meanwhile, are not rolling as they lost for the third time in four games on Sunday to fall to three and four. It came in stunning fashion, a 21-3 defeat to the Carolina Panthers, a team that had lost 12 of 13 games. It was playing with a third-string quarterback and under an interim head coach. Mm, Yeah. Bad times for the Buccaneers. Before Sunday's game against the Steelers, the Dolphins hadn't intercepted an opposing quarterback since the season opener against the Patriots. However, despite a scoreless second half, Miami held on to defeat the Steelers 16-10 on Sunday night, thanks to two interceptions of rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett in the game's closing minutes. Tua Tonga-Viola got off to a fast start with the Dolphins in his return from a concussion in Miami, snapped a three-game losing skid that began on September 29th when Tua was concussed in a loss to the Bengals. He also took a hard hit four days earlier in a win over Buffalo that led to changes in the NFL's concussion protocol. I still don't know how NFL teams allow college games to be played the day before. At the same stadium? Yeah. Yes. Doesn't matter how good your grounds crew is. I just, I mm-hmm. baffles me. Well, it's I don't, I don't, I don't know. I was because I was gonna, I was gonna say something about Major League Soccer, but because you know, you almost see the same thing. 
Yeah, and the college football announcers are scheduled so far in advance, but if you're using that team's stadium, although mm-hmm. I guess it depends on the lease. And, and I'm not saying the field last night was unplayable. It just, again, they played a game there yes, uh, Saturday afternoon, and the Dolphins come back and play, and it, it, the field's not going to be in the best shape. Jordan Alvarez and Alex Bregman each delivered big hits in Houston advance to the World Series again, finishing a four-game sweep in the ALCS with a 6-5 victory on Sunday, aided by another defensive gaffe from New York, taking advantage of a costly error by second baseman Glaber Torres to produce the go-ahead rally in the seventh inning. The Astros won their second consecutive pennant in fourth in six years. Go Phillies. Really? Go Phillies? Yeah. Okay. I'm not rooting for the Astros. LSU. I mean, they were the better team against the Yankees. I've said that multiple times today, but I'm not rooting for them. You guys paid how much for Garrett Cole? We didn't lose because of Garrett Cole. Okay. You paid how much to Glaber Torres? Uh, Chapman Donaldson. We could start there. (laughs) One wasn't on the roster. The other was embarrassing when it came up to offensive performance. And Giancarlo Stanton can't hit in pressure situations. That's just the start of it. Mm-hmm. But LSU re-entered the AP college football poll at number 18, and number 25 South Carolina and earned a ranking for the first time in four seasons. The first six teams in the top 25 held their spots after either winning or not playing over the weekend. Georgia is number one for the third straight week, with number two Ohio State gaining ground after it blew out Iowa. The Bulldogs, who were idle, received 31 first-place votes, and the Buckeyes got 18 first-place votes. Reading an interesting uh, uh, tweet that Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times... Touchdown Baker. Um, he uh, copied and pasted the joint statement put out by Florida and Georgia mm-hmm. regarding this week and the game in Jacksonville okay. and speculation about the future. The current contract calls for the game to be played in Jacksonville again in 2023 with options for 24 and 25. The options have not been picked up. There's been speculation after Kirby Smart said, well, um, he'd be for home and home. And then there was backlash about that, and then he, he didn't back off with that. He was asked, I think, last week, and he hey, that's the last thing on my mind. This is the statement. The annual game between our two universities is an important tradition. At this time, both programs are focused on our current seasons. Typically, both schools begin conversations regarding future games in the series as the last contracted game nears. We anticipate following that timeline. When those discussions take place, we will consider a uh, multitude of factors, including tradition, finances, future SEC scheduling models with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, and what is best for both schools' football programs overall. Let me just say that smells of, that smells of, hey, it's going to be really hard to keep the game in Jacksonville every year because as we expand the league again, and I just think, the days of the annual game in Jacksonville may be coming to an end. Maybe it is part of a rotation, which, by the way, Georgia doesn't necessarily think a good rotation is Athens, Gainesville, Jacksonville. They think Athens, Gainesville, Jacksonville, Atlanta. So, interesting they put the... I mean, And I get it. There'll be a lot of questions this week. Now coaches can say, hey, we'll just stick with the statement that was put out by the school earlier this week. So. Well, it's, Sorry, go ahead. You, you've said this. You've said this before. Uh, when change happens, it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's hard to go back to the norm when 
things start to change. Am I wrong? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Knock, knock. I do wonder also, Oklahoma and Texas, who people say, oh, they'll never leave the Cotton Bowl. But I, I, I do wonder because you, know, you want the equal schedule of home and road games. Yes, I'm sorry. Knock, knock. What? Who? What happened? Charlotte has fired uh, yeah. Will Healy yeah. as head football coach. Mm. Quote, we are grateful to Will Healy for the incredible energy and enthusiasm he brought to our program. He made an impact here that will never be forgotten. Sadly, however, our on-field results have not met expectations. Will and his family are special people, and we wish them the best. He was in his fourth season with the 49ers, who are 1-7 following their 34-15 loss against FIU. Yeah, tough spot. He was at Austin P. the year they came to play UCF, and... Really had success at high-powered offense. I thought Will Healy was a potential rising star. Got to Charlotte and never could have that breakout season. And they really struggled this year. And, and they're joining the American next year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a pretty good job. I mean, my guess is they'll hire a coordinator from a P5. They could, you know, take a head coach from someplace else that thinks that's a, a step up. But that's a pretty good job, actually. They, they, they It's a good town. A lot of talent in that area there, so. That's it on the news. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Go there and leave us a five-star rating. Shout out to all the news heads I saw over the weekend at Spooky Empire. Who? It's always I mean, great you actually to... saw news heads of the... Of course, yeah. There were news heads there. What do you mean? How dare you, Mark? Mm. News heads are everywhere, man. Okay. <laughs> all right. Back to you, Mark. That's it? Yeah. Oh, I sent you... I sent you... Uh... Yeah, I did. I okay. saw it. Yeah. Magic basketball tonight. They're in New York to take on the Knicks. A common or two in the Magic start to the season. And some other tidbits in the weekend next. The Beat of Sports brought to you by our friends at Greenway Ford and Greenway Jeep Ram. Find them online at GreenwayFord.com and GreenwayJeepRam.com. Your complete satisfaction is our commitment. Greenway, the only way. Uh, Magic play tonight against the New York Knicks. All right. What do we feel? 0-3. Now, let's be the optimist. Yeah, let's do it. Lost by four mm-hmm. to Detroit. Lost by ten in Atlanta. Uh, lost by six to the Celtics. And you go and look and say, okay, in the Boston game, no Jalen Suggs, who's hurt. So... What am I looking at? And, and then you have Cole Anthony. When the year started, and Cole was back and played in the uh, Boston game. Um, okay. So, do we have to do all year? How is the glass yes. full? And by the way, what is in the glass? Is it always water? Is there no. something else? Can you put anything in the glass? No, it's just a glass half full or half empty. It could be jelly beans in there. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a liquid. We thought it was water. Well, that's you. Huh. I always thought it was surge. Interesting. 
or Shasta. All right. Team's 0-3. You are your record. And let's be the optimist. Okay. Have been blown out. Pottles played well. Didn't shoot the ball well against Boston. Found ways to get points. Jason Tatum decided to go guard him and became a little bit tougher. The two know each other. Obviously, the Duke connection. And that's why Jason Tatum's one of the NBA better players. He made Paolo work. And I think games like that are great for Paolo Boncaro. They're great. Because you're going to find as you are developing to be one of the better players that teams are going to make adjustments and put better players on you. And he went 6 for 19 in the game. It's a lesson to take out of that. He had 11 free throws, which was a good sign there. But... His plus-minus was minus 16, and Jason Tatum was a factor in that game. But after three games of Paolo Boncaro, right now he's the best player in the Magic. He's the best player. Franz Wagner has not shot the ball particularly well to start the season, and Franz is going to be fine. I say shot the ball well from three-point line. Um, He's not shot particularly well. Um, But... It's four for 15, or sample size is small. But Paolo's going to be good. Franz will be fine. Wendell Carter Jr. is Wendell Carter Jr. Cole Anthony is what Cole Anthony gives you. Um, Terrence Ross had a bunch of points against Boston. My point is that this is the magic right now. Suggs gets hurt. That hurts this rotation for this team. You find yourself losing these games by a couple of possessions. It's the difference of the young and improving team versus the team that has guys that can figure it out for you. The Detroit game was a winnable basketball game. Um, the Hawks game wasn't really as close. The Hawks have a you know, couple of established players. And uh, Boston's Boston. They're one of the better teams of the NBA. So you can be optimistic and go, I don't like being 3 and 0-3, oh, oh, oh but the team has played well at times with what is the rotation of this basketball team right now. Um, and Chimo Kiki's what he is. That's it. That I, I, Again, that's what he is. If you're expecting a significant jump, you're not going to get that. that. I mean, he's good enough to play. The minutes that he plays, which is about 15, 16 minutes a game right now. Mobamba has given you nothing through three games. Um, R.J. Hampton is what R.J. is, and Bol Bol has given you a few moments. I think he's, what, 7-5 and five in the first couple of games. Um, but they're limited. And the Magic are not one of the NBA's better shooting teams. You've known that for years. This team did not upgrade significantly in shooting. Now I'm being the pessimist here, but... Um, they're going to struggle in a number of games if you can't hit outside shots. I mean, that's what the NBA is. And if you can't consistently shoot, you're going to struggle. A game like tonight, it's one of those games that, again, this is a winnable game. I mean, as much as I might love the Knicks, they're 1-1. One one. It's not like the Knicks are some juggernaut. Um, but we talked about the Magic schedule of the start and the number of games on the road. We're six of the first eight on the road. The Magic play the Knicks tonight. They're at Cleveland on Wednesday. Scott, walk with me here a second. Could the Magic lose both games? At the Knicks tonight and at Cleveland? Yes. 
That's 0-5 to come home to play Charlotte. Then they play at Dallas and Oklahoma City before that stretch of home games. I'm not putting everything on a 15-game start, but when you play six of the first eight on the road and then you get seven at home against the Warriors, Mavs, Suns, and Minnesota's an improving basketball team. You have games against the Hornets and Rockets and Kings in there. After those 15 games, if, if you want to get to certain goals you want, you can't be 3-12, and 12, you know, 4-11. and 11. So, again, they've been competitive in three games. And there's things you can like, certainly about Paolo, but you got to win a few of these. you got to get some of these. you got to make one of those one-possession games fall your way. you got to have a night where you shoot lights out. It's only three games in, but two road games here, and even after 15 games, I get concerned if, if, and I hope it's better, if the team is 3-12, and 12, then you suddenly begin to fall back into, come on, let's, you know, get competitive this night, and you fall back in, into some of the same things that we dealt with uh, last year, the last couple of years. So you got to get some of these to go your way. I'm not saying gloom and doom. They've been. It's, it's not like two of the three games that got blown out by 25. But you got to win some of these one-two possession uh, basketball uh, games. Uh, we come back a little bridge playback from something Mike and I discussed from this morning. If you miss the bridge, you can always catch it in its entirety at 969thegame.com or we get your favorite podcast. Just type in the bridge. Which, by the way, I showed somebody uh, this weekend. They go, "What do you mean?" I go, "Give me your phone." Mm-hmm. And I opened up the little podcast. Yeah, and I go watch this, and type in the bridge, and mm-hmm. they were like, "No way, it's there." Yeah, little guy somewhere inside. Did you explain to them about the little? Way. You talked to him about the little guy. I said every day. Yeah, and then I did the same thing. I go here, here, here the beat of sports. They're like, mm. "It's there, it's unbelievable." And then Mark went the theme park podcast, and boom, there was. No, what was this weekend's uh, theme park podcast? We talked about the new roller coaster that uh, SeaWorld announced. And? Pipeline, the world's first surfing coaster. And? And? You just talked about it? Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, Jimmy talked about buying tickets to go see Candlelight Processional at Mm. Epcot. Okay. And the issues he had. Because he always goes and sees Neil Patrick Harris every single year. It's like a tradition him and his wife have. Okay. All right. And then a little bit of a preview of Spooky Empire. All right. So the uh, F1 attendance in Austin. Yeah, it was anywhere it's between 400,000 to 400,000 to 4 million people. It was over 400,000. I was there. You the were large, there. No, I wasn't. Uh, no, the everyone largest, was there. The largest F1 uh, stop this year. Yeah. And set a record. It's the uh, most attended Formula One weekend. So I know there's people out there like, why do they keep bringing F1 races here? This is why. Because they're making millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's and, why. And just wait till they get to Vegas next year to understand what they're doing in Las Vegas. It's not just a race going to Las Vegas next Thanksgiving weekend, not, not this year, next year. They are building basically a U.S. base of Formula One racing where every team is going to have some sort of um, uh, attraction that will stay in Las Vegas. They're not just building like a temporary pit row mm-hmm. that becomes permanent. That when there's not a race, you can go visit. Yeah, because it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why 
there's tracks around the world that are losing a race and we're gaining a race. Right. Yeah. Uh, Bridge playback next. Before we get to the bridge playback, can I just read you something real quick? Yes. So, <laughs> Scott Adams took a picture of me as I did of him in front of the um, the ECU pirate outside the Walmart in Greenville. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a thing that's been there for years. So we went and took a picture of it. Not not mocking it or anything, just took a picture of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I sent the picture to Mike O'Donnell because I noticed in there <clears throat> my calves look pretty good. Yeah. You know, I've got some of the greatest calves ever. Yes, right? so this I is true. It, this is true. So I send it to Mike, and uh, Mike's brother Ben is uh, a, a trainer. He, mm-hmm. you know, a, he was a strength and conditioning coach for years in college sports, and now he's a personal trainer. Because Ben, despite his great workout ability, has always been envious that he's got thin calves, and he was always impressed with my calves. With yours, yeah. This is before I even started working out and losing all my weight and everything. So Ben's response was, "Ready, quote." have always been envious of that man's calves. Calves of a Greek god forged in fire. Wow, okay, all right. <laughs> wow, Florida State and Miami is a primetime ABC football game next Saturday. They couldn't get out of it? Wow. Was there anything else that they could have tried to put in? Wow. What uh, else is happening next weekend? The, uh, the UCF... Memphis game will be either 3.30 or 4 o'clock Eastern next weekend. Like noon for road games. I like that. I know, I know. Get in and uh, get out. Uh, speaking of UCF, this morning on the bridge, Mike and I, as one would expect, to talk about the weekend that was in college football, including UCF and the loss at ECU. And I'm following the UCF game online, and I'm like, you know, just seeing UCF falling further and further behind, and I'm like, what in the hell is going on up at East Carolina, and then, you know, obviously I, I read the stories the next day. I texted you to find out what happened. Tell me, Daniels, was that was that loss all on JRP and the turnovers? No. Because, okay, well, a, a lot of it ha- a lot of it was, no, right? Look, look, he didn't have a good football game. Uh, three first-half turnovers, two picks, and a fumble by him led to ECU 17 points. Uh, it's not the only reason why they lost the game. Okay. Uh, the first interception's a bad read on his part. Uh, he breaks free for what's going to be a first down run. They're going to get the ball either right around the 20 or inside the 20. He gets stripped of the football. Um, second pick, I'd have to know exactly what the call or read was, but okay, it, it's on him. But despite that, here's what happens. You're down 17 nothing. You get a field goal at the end of the first half, and you say, okay, get back in the game, get the ball to start the third quarter. They march down and score, and it's 17-10, to 10, and you're right back in the game. And now you've got them at third and four at their own 42. Mm-hmm. And your defense has to make plays. Okay, it, it, It's not all on John Rice Plumley, But Holton Ailers and his wide receivers won every 50-50 ball. And on third and four... He floats you, you one said, up. You said, by the way, you said he was going to throw a lot of 50-50 balls. And that's what they do. So he throws it up, and C.J. Johnson, who's going to play on Sundays, uh, C.J. Johnson goes up against Justin Hodges, who I think is going to play on Sundays, and he makes an incredible catch, just an amazing catch on a 25-yard pass play. Four plays later, they score, and the next two possessions, UCF punts, 
ECU adds a field goal, game over. Uh, and so, so, yes, and the fourth uh, turnover on Plumlee, they're just throwing the ball to the end zone. Okay, They were down 21. Okay, But that was a game the UCF's defense did not do what it did the two previous games, make adjustments and win that battle. Uh, ECU's offense won the battle against UCF's defense. Uh, they had guys open. Um, they took advantage of some weak spots in UCF's defense. They won 50-50 balls. Keaton Mitchell was as advertised their running back. And Holton Ellers hadn't beaten UCF in his first four tries. I think it was his biggest game of his career. He was 30 of 36. And four turnovers, three that mattered when the game was still up for grabs versus none. That's how you lose. Catch the entire bridge at 969thegame.com. And uh, Mike and I talked about not just UCF, but uh, the Hurricanes, Bucks, and uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and uh, all that fun stuff. It's available at 969thegame.com. You know what I just saw? What's that? The Amazon floating warehouse airships. Yeah. Wow. Pretty cool, right? So it's like a large blimp. Mm-hmm. And it releases the drone that carries your package. Yes. And then lands at your home to drop your package off. Then the drone goes back up into the warehouse to pick up the next item. Yeah, that's how it works. In the sky. Should I be excited or concerned? (laughs) You should be excited that we've reached that point of technology where that is possible. As a technological achievement, you should be excited. Does it make it easier for the pirate on the ground, the porch pirate that then can just look up and play like the, I'll catch it as it's coming down? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was just asking a little give take here. I'm fascinated by this. You should be. It just showed it delivering a grill. Yeah. Like, what the? What is that? Wow. Wow. And the question is, if if I buy one of those... Have you seen this? I'm going to send you this video. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It. Now, if I were to one of those 12-foot-tall skeletons, can it just deliver it fully uh, assembled so I don't have to do it? I don't know, but, I mean, there's a house at the end of my street that i got to admit, that, that, that dude kicked it up. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, big time. Like, big time lighting, the, um, the ghost, the pumpkin, the skeleton... And so forth. So, um, question: not, not bad. I mean, not bad. We don't have any contest, but if we did, he's getting my vote. Question about the skeleton: If November first dresses it up as a pilgrim, you cool with that? What? Like the giant skeleton dressed up like a pilgrim? Well, then, because Thanksgiving, and then puts. What Santa's... do you with the rest of the stuff on the yard? No, 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 no. I'm just talking about the skeleton. Yeah. Like you, you. Start to dress it up per holiday. That way you can just leave it up year-round. You okay with that? I'd have to see it. I'm not quite sure. Like, I'm not... Again, we've had this debate before. There's certain dates where decorations got to come down. Like, Halloween's on Monday. Yeah, so you want Tuesday them down? No, I think because it's a work day. I think by Wednesday. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Now, the pumpkin, you can last the pumpkin because pumpkin Thanksgiving, so you can kind of keep a pumpkin out for a week or so. Yeah. But not the other decorations and things like that. What if you just change them to be for whatever the next holiday Everybody's got that guy that the Christmas lights are still hanging in March. Everybody's, every neighborhood's got that guy. 
they're not on, but he hasn't taken them down. He thinks maybe no one will notice and kind of leave them up the entire year. Are they the dangling ones or just the string? Everybody, the the string. Everybody's got that guy. And you're like, hey, Paul, come on, let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's not call the HOA on you now, okay? Let's let's kind of step it up here. Oh, uh, forgot to tell you about Spooky Empire. Uh, Your favorite booth. Or table? My favorite booth, like John Wilkes. No, 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 no. Your favorite, a favorite booth. <laughs> your favorite table that you you'd want to work, the prop check. Yeah. Which they have at MegaCon. Yeah. You know what they didn't have that I didn't see at Spooky? Wasn't a prop. Check? I didn't see a prop check. But well, why? I you, know. You tell me pictures of them selling machetes and saws. Yes. Not like rubber, like real saws. Yeah. And knives. Yep. Is that an early purchase in the day where then you're just walking around for like six hours with that? I'm sure they put it in some kind of box or something so you, for carrying around. Purposes. You're not sure. You don't know. I don't. You I don't, don't actually. Know. Exactly. I don't, you have no I idea. Don't actually, I don't yeah. actually know. Some, uh, some notes and quotes before we wrap the Monday show up next. Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off-the-wall stories. Trends. Ooh, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. So there's this uh, video inside the tunnel of the Bucks coming off the field loose in Carolina where Mike Evans stops and appears to sign two autographs mm-hmm. for members of what looks to be the officiating crew Okay. from the game. Okay. If that's all the information you know, what's your initial reaction? It's a little weird. You would think against NFL rules. Yes. Some are saying, well, as a captain, he's signing an information card. That's standard. I'm not quite sure I agree with that. And that video is getting a little viral. Yeah. Saying, is this common? My guess is it's not common. Hmm. Antonio Brown trolling Tom Brady posted on Instagram what was the picture of when Brown quit running off the field against the Jets, but he put Brady's body over what was his running off and trolling Tom Brady. I uh to quote well you I don't care about Antonio Brown and anything of his antics. Yes. Brad Pitt, who's involved in an F one project, yes. refused any interviews on uh the grid yesterday. Yeah. Covering F one races. Not just Martin Brundle, but it's a little bit of a tradition. There are other members of the media that are there, and mm-hmm. whether you're a driver um, or sometimes famous person, you might use that as a chance to promote something. Yeah. But apparently, all members of the media are given a list of who is not available to talk. I didn't know this. Oh, wow. So, I wonder this is after the Megan Stallion incident. Well, Will Buxton, who you yeah. know, is the guy that you've seen on the uh, Netflix show. He said that you're given a list that says so-and-so available because they're pitching something. Mm -hmm. And there's also a list that says you might see blank not available. Gotcha. Now, doesn't mean you can't try to ask, but a lot of members of the media were upset and then posted on social media that Brad Pitt wouldn't talk to anybody. Well, Brad Pitt is currently in uh, a lot of uh, uh, a a massive... Legal situation right now, which might have played a role in that decision. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Black Adam, $67 million in the box office opening weekend. Okay. Scott doesn't care. He doesn't like The Rock. Don't like The Rock in the movie. Uh, looks bad. <laughs> I think I might go see Smile tonight. Keeping the uh, horror theme going. 
You want to see it? I do, yeah. Heard really good things. Huh. All right. Um, there's Monday Night Football tonight. How many games? Is this, is this just one? So there's just one game, right? There's the one game header. tonight. Okay. Or the, the It's the Bears and the Patriots. Oh, wow. Barnburner. It's the Bears and Patriots uh, playing tonight. Um, next weekend's NFL schedule... Uh, begins with the Bucks at home against the Ravens Correct. on Thursday. On this very, very radio station. And then we also have another game in London as the Jaguars play at their second home <laughs> when they take on the Denver Broncos. This is a little bit comical, even though we don't know if Russell Wilson's playing. The joke was, why are the Broncos getting so many primetime games before this weekend? They didn't mm-hmm. play primetime yesterday. But here they are again, although it's not primetime, but that's an ideal TV uh, spot, the 9.30 uh, matchup, but the Jaguars will be in London to take on the Denver Broncos. Next week's NFL schedule is not exactly the greatest. Dolphins are in Detroit against the Dan Campbell Lions. Patriots and Jets. Um, San Francisco against the Rams. I mean... Sunday night game is Green Bay at Buffalo. By the way, again, stop and think about that. That's the three and four Packers going to Buffalo next Sunday night where they could be three and five. Where the Bills who had off this week and then get to play the Sunday night game. Uh, next week's Monday night game is Cincinnati at Cleveland. I know you're wondering the Giants will be at Seattle. Oh, okay. Like your chances? Uh Seahawks are now four and three. Yeah. Former Giant great. Geno Smith. This is true. Yeah, giant legend. I saw a video posted by some fans, Brian Dable, coming out of the giant locker room before getting on the bus, smoking a big cigar, goes over to take some pictures and autographs and everything. You got to know the role, man. This is true. Got to know the role. The Giants are 6-1. and one, The Jets are 5-2. and two. What's going on? Uh, touchdown Club tonight. The Orlando Touchdown Club. We meet Taproom at Dubstred. Matt Stinchcomb, who was a guest on our show last Thursday, is the guest speaker tonight, the College Football Hall of Famer and SEC Network. And uh, Matt uh, has been a guest before, and always good to have him back. If you go to OrlandoTDClub.com, you can read more about not just tonight's meeting, but the remaining guest speakers that we have. And uh, you can still sign up, become a member, join us. Uh, again, OrlandoTDClub.com for of the details there. Magic basketball tonight against the New York Knicks. Coverage begins at 7 o'clock. Dip off just after 7.30. Did you watch the MLS playoffs this weekend? I did not, unfortunately. NYCFC? Yep, yep. Set up a rematch uh, from last year against the Philadelphia Union. First time uh, since, I think, 2018 that both number one seeds. And Austin. Yeah. It's going to play in the West finale against LAFC. They were one of the better teams the entire season this year. Wow. It's a great year, too, Jumped for Austin. Jumped out to a 2 nothing lead on Dallas and mm-hmm. held on, and uh, good for them. Let's uh, get to the conference finals uh, in MLS. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us on this uh, Monday. Always appreciate your time. Miss any of our program? Catch the show on demand when it's convenient for you at 96.9thegame.com or just download it and it comes right to your phone. Uh, get into the uh, place you find your podcast and type in the beat of sports. It'll be right there for you. See you for a Tuesday show tomorrow. Matt and Michelle's weekly college football visit and much more. Scott produced on Mark Daniels, the beat of sports.